Welcome. You're listening to Full Quiver Parenting. We're your hosts, Lydia and Stephen Braun. And here we talk about the importance of parenting that takes God at his word so that when we face trials and oppositions and meet our enemies at the gate, we are prepared to do battle with the spiritual powers of darkness, demolishing strongholds and arguments as we take every thought captive for Christ. Hello and welcome to another episode of Full Quiver Parenting. And tonight we are talking about the mirrors in the room. It makes me start to think. I watched a video recently of a mom describing what she imagined. Like when she babysits, oh, you know, you got the dishes done. You made it all nice and tidy. You got the kid all like they got their favorite PJs on. You brushed their teeth. You sang them a lullaby. You did all of these things. And your husband comes home and he's like, wow, it's so peaceful and nice and like babysitter. But then as the mother, when your husband walks in, it is not like that at all. Instead, it's like, I have to have a break from my children. And why is that? <laughs> but it made me chuckle because you know how often before we're parents, we talk about this is how I'm going to raise my kid. They're never going to do X, Y, and Z. They're, they're never going to be like so-and-so's kid. Yeah, they're going to be so much better. <laughs> yeah. Because so, so-and-so doesn't know what they're doing with parents. Yeah, that's right. You know, we, we, we are But we prepared. know best. <laughs> we know better with zero experience in parenting. That's right. So tonight we're talking about the mirrors and uh, the sanctification that God desires of our hearts. And I think this is a big, a big topic that I think often is um, diluted. By saying, yeah, you're going to be sanctified with one kid, so that's good. Well, that's great that you're being sanctified by one kid. But if you put 10 in a room, you are going to be uber sanctified or lose your mind. One or the other. And God's purpose is when he pressurizes something, he is also doing a transformational work. That's the purpose of the pressure. Like diamonds only become diamonds under pressure. They will just be garbage without the pressure. And that's the same with parenting. And the the whole goal of this journey is to bring us to completion in preparing us as his children uh, to be fit as his the bride for his son. Yeah. And he desires to bring us to glory. And he says that he is working in us. He promises that that work that he's begun in us, that he will bring it to completion. And that means that he's going to use everything on that journey. Mm -hmm. As we talked about last week, that if God is the author of life, and if he's the one who creates all life, and he knows the number of the days, he knows the number of the breaths, there are no mistakes in the path that God has placed us on. So however many children God chooses to bless families with that is the journey that he's given to them that's the that's the flock that he's given them to care for and to shepherd that they're also to be accountable for but that's also the space in which god's going to be doing that sanctifying work in our hearts yes when i was serving as a minister i was part of a uh, accountability group with other ministers and we were studying a curriculum and it was talking about the the role of being a shepherd and how you know, there it talks about in scripture that, that shepherds of the flock, they have 
a higher standard that they're held to. They will be judged for the things that they do. But also talking about why does God call certain individuals to that role? And it's, it's for the purposes that he has for them in ministry, in ministering to his flock. But it's also something that God is doing in the heart of that specific minister. And I was thinking about for myself what that means is that in order for God to take a hold of my heart, that's the path that God had me on. And I think about that in, in how I started my journey into ministry in the first place. I, I first wanted to go to Moody Bible Institute um, as I was afraid of God and I wanted to appease God because I had this false image of who God was. I also wanted to fix other people. I wanted to fix the uh, people who are hypocrites and show them what it really was like. But I found out in that journey that I was the one who didn't know God. And it took me full-time studying and learning who God is, that God met me in those studies, that he used that to save me and to draw me in. And that's the same thing I found in my journey as serving as a minister, that that's exactly the work that God needed to do in my heart in that stage of the journey to further mold me into the image of his son. And that's what the journey of parenting is all about. Mm-hmm. I, I think back to when we first got married, you know, thinking about, you know, marriage uh, ceremony and everything, you know, readings and whatnot. And, and we didn't actually have the, uh, the standard reading from 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. You know, everyone's like, oh, it's the marriage chapter and it's sweet and oh, and they love each other. Um, but we wanted to be different. We wanted, you know, different <laughs> passages so we wouldn't be like, you know, cliche with that. So we had other other passages that talked about marriage, like in Ephesians. But I remember going into our relationship and starting our marriage. And for the most part, if I were to like grade myself on how I was in loving you as a as my wife, I would have given myself a pretty high grade. I was like, I'm pretty good at this marriage thing. Like, I, I, I feel like I did a good job serving my wife, loving my wife, caring for my wife, and all these things. And I could I could kind of sort of pat myself on the back. But then we had our first child. <laughs> and I realized just how self-serving my love had been. Because there was a mutual expression of the love in that marriage relationship. I I showed love to you, you also showed love to me. But when we had our first child, uh, Mariah, she she only wanted Lydia. Yes. Yes, she did. <laughs> only and ever. And so like I, she came out like <laughs> as she came out, she was screaming like on the way out. And she was mad. Yeah, like very being mad. outside of Outside of that cozy space inside of mom, she wanted to be on mom, in mom, like just that's the space. And dad was not going to cut it. No. At all. And dad wasn't really allowed around in, in a sense, in terms of like, I didn't have free arms almost ever. <laughs> yeah. And so I like, I remember there was a time when you were trying to go to a Bible study and I like... I don't remember how many months old she was, but uh, 
I was like, okay, I think I think it's I think we handle this. She's she's been doing a little bit better with me. I think we're good. But the minute she walked outside the door of our apartment, Mariah just like started this blood curdling scream. And I kid you not, within 15 minutes, she was in such hysterics that as a new dad, I was like, I I think she's gonna like. <clears throat> She's gonna like die. <laughs> I'm like she's like hyperventilating. I'm just so like so mad. I and so I was like I really wanted Lydia to have that time, you know, away and and to be in God's word with other women and stuff. But I was like I like our kid's gonna like die. I can't. I, <laughs> and I'm not gonna have this where my first child dies on my watch because like she just won't accept anything that I'll do for her. Um, and so I called Lydia, and sure enough, she comes on the like straight back and it's like it feels like an hour it was like five minutes or whatever and as soon as Lydia walked in the door passed her to her and just boom she was fine yep (laughs) that's true but I remember that in in the different spaces and you know in you know being a new dad new parents you don't sleep a lot We've improved a lot, a lot. We've learned a lot in, in those things that, that we've learned tricks for helping with that and things to help support sleep for everyone. But um, being really sleep deprived and me when I was still fighting my autoimmune condition, I was often in a lot of pain and not sleeping also meant that I was going to be in more pain and trying to go to work and, and all that. Um, it and, was and, stressful. And this was a difficulty at that time, I remember, is Mariah couldn't sleep without me. And you couldn't sleep without me. And it was like, oh, Lord, I cannot handle both of them. Yeah, because I was, I was struggling with sleep anxiety at the time Yeah, as well. And so, like, you were like my, you were like my line of security blanket. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, Lord, I can't do this. I have two needy people in my life. And I just, it was so stretching for me as well of I, I get to figure out how do I express my needs in the midst of people really do have needs that are bigger, at least feel that way than mine. And I think a lot of moms would agree that in, uh, with a new baby, God demands, it's kind of designed this way that God demands sacrifice of a mother right off. And that depending on the husband, if he follows Jesus or not, there will be a, sanctification process or not as that new baby comes because either the selfishness just continues to increase or it must be transformed for both mom and dad but just the actual role of mom it's kind of like you have no choice but to have to give up yourself well i mean that's from the 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 very beginning of the journey for the mother and i think that that's such a such a special journey that moms get to have with the Lord in the Lord that mm-hmm. you take on that role. I mean, from, from the beginning, you know, you may be suffering from things like morning sickness yeah. um, and not being able to sleep from that. And then, you know, the difficulties that just come with, with pregnancy and then labor know, and delivery, the, depending labor on labor is a huge <laughs> thing. And to, for new moms, it's not an encouraging thing to say like, Oh, this is just the beginning of the journey. It's not, it's not the same as labor it is different it is still sanctifying so it is still a pressurizer but it's not uh, yeah just encouragement that it's not all labor (laughs) but i guess my question is that because you you said like you know god kind of demands more from the woman in that sense how would you say that going through that first labor 
was a process of preparing you for mothering that child? Oh, it taught me perseverance because I had no choice. It was a 36-hour labor, and I, there is no stopping when labor happens. You can't stop it. It's just happening. And um, learning, I, the first time it was really difficult for me to really dig into the pain or lean into the pain, I should say. Whereas in the labors since that time, I've been able to have um, embrace the pain more than fight against it. Because I think that first time is a lot of God walking with you to say, you're dying to yourself. Like you're actually giving up your life for another. And that was something that uh, I uh, saw something from another lady who was chatting about children and how um, God uses children as a means of sanctification, but also, I mean, in a way, growing you up to become an adult. Because until you have someone that you're willing to die for and to give up everything for, you don't know what it's like to image Christ in the way that he has given up of everything for, for his children. And that's the same picture that a mother gets to have in giving birth to children. You would give up everything to save that little baby. And that's why the picture of abortion is so um, anti-gospel because it's taking the very thing that God designed to be a nurturing, giving up of your life for another to intentionally take a life to remain selfish. And not saying that those who, who've committed abortion, that that was at all what they were thinking. It's uh, a lot of regret. I know many women with lots of regret that they felt that they had no other choice. Um, I, yeah, and usually in that case, it's it's usually fear. Yeah, that's fear that's the driver the of that. Not not necessarily a, a selfish motive, but a fearful yes. motive. And and there's so much fear that pressure that's put on on mothers in those situations, and that's a and especially in our culture of I know for us when we first had Mariah, people were like, oh man, you know. Is Lydia wanting a career kind of thing? I guess that's going to keep her at home. And then as soon as baby number two came, it was immediate like, oh, well, there goes her career. She won't be able to do all the things that she wanted to do. As if children and being a mother is not a blessed occupation. Instead, that being uh, a tool that God uses, um, not tool, but a, a journey that God gives us for us to become more like him. And obviously those who aren't mothers and can't be mothers, God has a different journey. So wanting to create space for that story as well. But something I wanted to talk about in terms of uh, selfishness and uh, sacrifice, Um, I have had several interactions with women who have said one of the most terrifying things that they've experienced is finding out they were pregnant when their husband, they're not sure, wants a baby. And to Mm. finally tell them, saying, I'm pregnant, and to hear the first words or emotions that come out of their husband's mouth, what would you want your husband to say? I'm so excited. Like, praise the Lord, we're going to have a baby. But how often is it said, shoot, how are we going to manage that? Or, well, there goes my retirement, or there goes our fun trip, or there goes whatever, as if those things are important. And it really is an attitude of like um, cussing out the new life that God's given because it's inconvenient and um, 
requires sacrifice. Yeah. And I, I don't know, but just just from what I've seen, I feel like it's it's typically men that struggle more with that uh, selfish response to things. I have heard so many stories of, of guys having those reactions. I mean, there was one uh, I remember hearing from a, a couple in our church. It was kind of this like notorious story that was told as kind of a funny joke uh, that he had just bought a, a brand new sports car. Yeah. And they found out that she was pregnant. And it was like, well, there goes the sports car. And... And he's like, and then like, that's, we sold the sports car, never saw it again. It's like, okay. But you could tell that on the one side that there's actually still a little bit of hurt there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Within the relationship. And it's, it's also just like, you know, what, what do we see? You know, going back to what we talked about last week of the eternal work that is parenting in the sense that God is using us as vessels to bear eternal beings. You know, what does a toy matter in in the midst of those things? And I mean, I I, I know that I I've been a car guy. I grew up in a car family, and like there have always been cars. I'm like, oh, I always dreamed of having that. And I remember being in in Bible college, thinking about you know how could I how could I still have something like that and have a family and you know make it be okay in ministry on that salary and like you know could I use that vehicle in ministry somehow by ministering to the car community while really just want, having that fun toy that I, I wanted to be able to drive around. And those those types of things, they, they kind of fade into the background. But our culture, that's so much in the foreground. Yes. But that's not what God calls us to. Uh, consumerism is such a a way of feeding the selfishness of our own hearts. Mm -hmm. And it is such a subtle and insidious thing, particularly here in the United States, that how much it draws away our hearts and how much it is pushed that, you know, the constant comparison with one another of, oh, who has what car, who has what home, and, you know, what school do your kids go to? And all of those things are so easy to get caught up in the rat race yeah. of things that we can really lose track of what is the purpose of all these things. I love that something that your mom says often. She's like, this is just boot camp. Yes. Boot this, camp for this is just a training ground for, for the true reality that we are called to that the things of this world, they just don't matter. They really don't matter. And so, you know, the the work of parenting is one of the few things in this world that we can do that will be carried on into eternity because of that role of, of you know, being vessels for bearing eternal beings. And that's a, that's a weighty role, but also a beautiful role. And it, it, it speaks of what it means to to live as Christ. And I love what we were sharing about the the role of woman in, in labor and all that. And I thought about, as you're talking about that, the passage that Paul talks about where he says, women will be saved through childbearing. Paul, a Peter. Or yeah. Peter says that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've ne- I haven't studied that one. Obviously, I don't remember what book it's in even. So <laughs> I haven't studied that 
very like thoroughly enough to be able to say like what what does he actually like like what does that fully mean but i i guess i kind of picture in a sense that you know i don't this may not be what the, it's about but it, it almost seems like that's a picture of like that labor that's that because the the woman is called so deeply into that role of sacrificial giving boom right off the bat that um, it's it's a sanctifying process in and of itself. It's just like the naturally, itself, that's yeah. what it's going to do in you. It's going to teach you to live selflessly, and, and uh, that's what the call is. And so, even if that that passage isn't talking about that, um, the passage that I, I've been thinking oh, about before you do that, though, in that Peter passage, he talks about um, Sarah. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear even mm. in the midst of childbearing. And I think that's something I want to talk real quick about. In our culture, especially in the United States, pregnancy is, a, uh, it's bipolar, <laughs> either, polar opposites. It's either, this is the most beautiful, exciting, amazing thing. Let's take some sexy pictures with your husband and with the baby and show the baby bump and it's super exciting. And, or, it's the opposite of like, oh my gosh, this is the worst experience of my entire life. I've given up my body for this. Now I can't do all the things I want to. And then when actual labor happens, we try to avoid all discomfort. So we're going to schedule a C-section because it's easier. We're going to find people who are going to medicate us so that we don't have the feeling of pain. Because, some, I mean, pain doesn't have to be super intense. For some women it's not, and some women it is. But what that pain is something to also describe in Genesis that God talks about childbearing is going to be painful. That is part of the curse yeah. that it's going to be painful, but with toil, you will bring forth children. And as you talked about last time, you brought forth a man like from God, God gave mm -hmm. me this man. And, uh, what it's <clears throat> the, the distraction that has happened to make, childbearing so disgusting in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of the church that it takes away from the real ministry or real work of if you're a pastor's wife you really need to be serving along with your your pastor husband and you can just send the kids to sunday school and you'll actually do the important work with the adults as opposed to no god says let the little children come to me those are the ones who i'm calling because they're great in the kingdom of heaven but also with that um sanctifying work where was it going with this um oh that fear comes in when it talks about do not give way to fear immediately in labor and in pregnancy in our culture labor is terrifying it's the most terrifying thing so you need you can't handle the pain so you should go and get medicated or you can't handle pushing out this baby that god designed your body to do so you need help or all of these different interventions that happen because it's the lie that the world wants to tell you that you can't do it because it's too hard for you. And really, you're not cut out to be a mom. As opposed to, no, do not give way to fear. Like, this is the work that he's given us to do. And it's not saying that you all of a sudden go, you know, onto the back burner somewhere where you're not, you're just, you know, wiping diapers for the rest of your life. No, you have seasons in boot camp, as my mom says, where you learn. My mom said, I got an MDiv and then I got an MOS, uh, MRS. And she said, those two were difficult, but the MOM was way harder. And that was the one where I went, that was an actual degree that was worth getting because I learned how selfish I was and God used it to transform my life. 
and be able to um, minister to the needs of those around me and to recognize what actual sacrifice looks like. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're all called to, you know, yeah. not just MOMs, but DADs are, are called to sacrifice. And so I think, you know, you, you kind of touched on that, like the comfort and fear, those two things being juxtaposed in that, in the picture of labor for, uh, for the woman. And I think for the man, it's that, uh, consumption and sacrifice. Yes. Are, are we willing to step into that role? Cause again, you know, for the guy in my place, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I can see every time you've been pregnant, you know, the, the, this, how, how much work it is just, just the pregnancy, how much work it takes for your body to be growing that baby. Just that alone is like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And often, I mean, for myself and I know for other women, it's like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, oh my gosh, I'm just sleeping. I'm just, you know, I'm a bum. Why can't I get all this other stuff done? It's like, no, you actually realize you're making a person inside of your body. Like that is a full-time job in and of itself. Men add children. And I remember I was chatting with this other lady who talked about, you know, when you have one or two children or three children, you can get away with your selfishness because they're not necessarily asking for your time all the time. One child asks for your time all the time, but two children, they can play together. And three children, you can get that, that as well. But real selfishness and real sacrifice comes with more children because either one of the parents is not giving 100% and it either forces them to give 100% or it causes a rift in your marriage. And then we blame the children as if they're the cause of the, the struggle as opposed to them being used by God to expose the sin of our hearts. That yeah. is really the work that's going on there that we say, oh, we can't handle any more children. You know why we can't handle any more children often is because we're afraid to see that full selfishness of our heart when we get beyond what we can, quote, handle where God has to handle it. Yeah, and that's what I talk about the mirrors in the room that, you know, as you said earlier, you can have one mirror and, you know, you can say, but when, when the room is surrounded in a room full of mirrors, yes. it it gives you it gives you a really either beautiful or ugly picture, mm -hmm. depending on the moments. You know, I think about James talking about the tongue. He says, you know, with it, we bless God and curse men. This should not be. Mm -hmm. You know, out of the same tongue comes forth praise and, and cursing. And, you know, it's, and, and as Jesus says, the, the tongue is the overflow of the heart. Yeah. And so depending on what's in our hearts, it can either be very beautiful towards our family or very ugly towards our family. But those are the moments when God is, is drawing things out yeah. and, and working on those things in our hearts. I think of what Paul says too, of, uh, that we are to be the fragrance of Christ for those appointed to life, to life, and those appointed to death, to death. Mm -hmm. that 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 is the sanctifying work of God either our faith as believers will be tried and tested as true and further refined to righteousness or it'll be choked out by the cares and worries of this world showing that it really wasn't genuine faith to begin with and I think that really what childbearing does for the marriage is it shows the fruit of the marriage. Yes. It exposes the fruit of the marriage. 
uh, and going back to, you know, the, the pattern of things of like planning to have kids that we talked about last week of, you know, waiting five years to see what the relationship brings. Um, if the fruit's bad, it's still going to be bad. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and as, as a believer in Christ, I want my heart to be exposed and I want it's painful. I selfishness admit. to be drawn out. Even, because yeah. I want to be formed more into the image of Christ. And I know, I know I'm a selfish man. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was saying. Like with parenting, it showed me how selfish my love was. That it's really easy to love when somebody else loves you. As Jesus says, you know, even the, even the Gentiles do these things. Um, but I call you to love even your enemies. And it was really humbling to have my first daughter who I love come out and she's not really accepting of my love and how frustrating that was for me and going, I'm struggling to love unconditionally when I'm not getting reciprocal love for her. And this is my own daughter Mm -hmm. and she's done nothing. She's just a baby. She's done nothing like, you know, she's not my enemy. And it was a really, really humbling experience going, Oh, wow, Lord. I, you, you have so much work to do in my heart. And I think that every single child we've had so far has just been another layer mm-hmm. of that, of Lord, Lord, wash me, make me clean, make me more into the image of, of your son, clothe me in that. And that's what Paul calls us to. And, you know, it's not just women who are saved in childbearing, but he calls all believers to it, um, that we are to live selfless lives like that of Christ. And that's the way he says in in, sec, in uh, Philippians 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, fulfill my joy that you think the same way by maintaining the same love, being united in spirit, thinking on one purpose, doing nothing from selfish ambition or vainglory, but with humility of mind, regarding one another as more important than yourselves not merely looking out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this way of thinking in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although existing in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, by being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's out of the Legacy Standard Bible. I just reading that and thinking about, you know, he's talking about, he's talking to a church in this context, but what if we have that picture in our family? What if what if the what if the heartbeat of our families was do nothing out of selfish ambition? But out of love, see one another 
as higher than yourself and serve them out of that same love that God, the Son, Jesus Christ, humbled himself, took on the form of a servant in becoming flesh. And he didn't regard the honor that was due his name. And the children that he came to seek and to save, they spit in his face and they mocked him and they killed him. My, my children haven't done that. And I struggle to love them when they show me sweet love and affection every day. That such a greater depth of love that we are called to as believers and as parents for children that are we living like we are willing to lay down our lives for our children do they do our children know like if we if we brought our kids in here and, and they were asked by someone else you know and they then they were felt safe enough to speak the truth you know would would mommy and daddy would they do they love you enough that they lay down their life for you be curious to hear what the answers would be from mm-hmm. our children and from other other children parents are we modeling that love in the mundane when we say i don't have time for this Mm -hmm. i have this this thing is that i'm working on is so important or i just need a minute for me and not saying those things are bad i mean obviously christ even took moments away yeah and i think as a dad and a mom sometimes the mom is like you know this like poking all day mom 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 (laughs) like yeah (laughs) no offense but like those moments of like i I need to leave so that i don't kill you because i love you but you're driving me crazy but it is it's taking learning how to uh be transformed in the renewing of our minds and that's something that i've been really thinking a lot about in the last week of how often i have bad thoughts about my children's selfishness and what it means about my parenting or what it means about um, myself um, as opposed to looking at it as God does and recognizing my own selfishness. <laughs> like, really, I am so selfish. And even when I'm serving my children, it's more like, oh, I have to get this task done because if we don't eat, then people will be mad at me as opposed to being like, no, I wanna, I want to feed you because I love you. And not looking at the clock as this thing that I'm trying to race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a that's a tough journey. I think about that too. You know, we could. I think that'll be another episode topic too of the imaging of parenting. You know, when outside the home. Uh, but I was at I was at a grocery store today and I saw a mom with two kids and she had a little boy and he was pushing around his own cart. And he was zooming and I was I was trying to get something in the aisle and, and he's just like barreling down the aisle and I have to like step back out of his way and his mom's like, Stop, stop, stop and he just he didn't see he was just he's just going and I just had to chuckle and laugh at that. And I was like, Oh she's like, I'm sorry. I was like, No, it's fine and then I, I saw them a little bit later on and, and he was doing something, grabbing something off a shelf or something. And I could just hear in the tone of the, the mother, uh that she felt embarrassed. Yeah. She felt embarrassment because of the way that her child was acting. And how often do we have those moments with our kids that, again, we feel self-conscious? It's not. It's about us, not about them. 
Right. It's not, it's not a moment to teach and build them up. It's a moment to, how can I hide this behavior so that I can look good as a parent because I feel humiliated mm-hmm. in this public space? And that's so often, so often, it was, it's the focus is on us, not our children. Yeah. And, and like, I'm saying, because I, I do that all the time. Yeah, I do, and it like that for me. Of as I was thinking through this podcast that we're talking about today, I was like, "Oh, like because in the moment I'm like, go like tell that mom like you're doing a good job, and like your kids, you have lovely kids, and they're such a blessing." But I also like thought about in that moment. I was like, "Oh, how often do I do that? And how often is my discipline of my kids a reaction for selfish ambition?" Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Even how we are disciplining our kids. Ooh. Yeah. That's a that's a weighty, weighty thing of what does that look like to selflessly serve mm-hmm. our families. But even as we examine this and go, like, wow, we have a long ways to go. And you know, I'm I feel like such a you know, that we, we have five kids now and we've been parents for almost eight years. And that's just a blink of an eye. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many chapters in parenting that we have yet to experience. You know, I, I, we always hear people say like, well, just wait till they're teenagers. And it's like, yep. And and we'll, we'll see the trials of that stage too. And I'm sure we'll look back and go, all right, you know, God was doing the sanctifying work now, but that's the thing is that's the, that's the good news to cheer. And wherever you got in your parenting journey, that as believers, we have that hope that, he will not leave us as we are, mm-hmm. but he's using these moments to transform us, to discipline us. That even as we are trying to train up our children in the discipline of the Lord, he's disciplining us yeah. and he's forming our hearts and transforming us to be more like the image of his son. And I think that we can all take courage in that, that this, this work of sanctification and parenting, that these mirrors, they're, they're for our good. Yeah. Um, in that sense, that they draw us out of the selfish life. That that the that you know the picture of sin of being a navel gazer, like turn turned in on oneself. It, it it draws us out and points us back to the Lord. Yeah, and I think that is the when God says children are a blessing, blesses man whose quiver is full of them. It's also it marriage and children and parenthood both are massive sanctifiers and it's at different levels because yeah it is difficult at times to love your spouse if you're irritated with them but it's not nearly as uh not exacting that's not the word it's not nearly as much energy as that and the children who are demanding little people too and that you are responsible before the Lord for their little souls in how you train them up. You can't save them, but you can direct them. It's like a, what is it? The shepherd staff, the hook yeah. is to pull them back and to keep them going in the direction they're supposed to. And when they don't, they suffer consequence. So in the same for us, the shepherd of our souls is like, I'm going to entrust you with this little one and with this little one. And not in the timing that you think would be good, but in the timing I know is good for you. Yeah. And I think I was thinking about that. You know, the funny thing that I hear parents say a lot is that, you know, the joke is that 
parents keep having children and they stop at perfection, you know, and that's always the joke. Like, oh, we were practicing and then we got to the perfect kid and, and then we right. stopped. It was just kind of a funny joke. But what what if we kind of looked at that joke and took it this way in, in using that to think about our parenting that God gives us as many children as we need for our souls to do the formation to conform us into us. the image of his son, you know. So maybe that full quiver, maybe if you have, you know, if we're talking about the numbers side of full quiver, maybe if you have a lot of children, that's because you need a lot of sanctification. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that because I feel that my own soul, that I need, I need a lot of sanctification and God has blessed us with many children in, in the first less than a decade of our marriage. Mm-hmm. And man, oh man, I've, I've needed these kids for God to do the work that he's been doing in my heart. And I'm so grateful for that and that aspect of parenting that God doesn't leave me as I am. The selfish boy who got married to you almost nine years ago, I I hope and pray that I am a better man today than I was then. You know, that the people say that, oh, the wedding is going to be the best day of the marriage. And I'm like, I hope not. I hope not. I hope that that is, I hope that I'm a better man at the end of this race, that God will have endowed me with greater wisdom, with more Christ-likeness, with more love and less selfishness. Mm-hmm. And I I can certainly see those tangible things in me. I hope you can see them in, in me as well. I do see them in me. And, and I see them in you, how God has done that. And, and I even see that in the kids too. I see that the the stretching, you know, some people say that, you know, maybe if you have too many kids that uh, you can't, they can't receive the love that they, in care and nurturing that they need. But at the same time, it's also exposing the hearts of those kids too and the challenges oh, that they yes. face. So Such having little sibling, I, and I, I don't have that perspective because I'm not, I, I'm a youngest. So, you know, um, God uses, I think, younger siblings for sanctification and yes. older siblings. Well, too. and something that um, my mom has talked about is when, as a parent, saying when you have a lot of children, you identify your need for the Lord, and that you cannot fulfill all of the desires of your children's hearts. Like when you have, and one, you're not made to. You're not made to. But when you have one or two, you can do a pretty good job of getting most of the important things that that are important to them, and even some of the things that aren't important that are just fun to do. But when you have a lot of children, like most of the day is making sure that everyone's gone potty, everyone's drunk water, everyone's eaten, and everyone gets into bed. <laughs> and that's a win. That's <laughs> and, a good day. And then also when you're schooling them, like make sure that they read and write and do some math. And then we'll learn throughout the day. But those are the primary functions of each day. And you can look at them as like, oh my gosh, this is a drudgery. I'm just keeping them alive. Or that these are the formative years. And when you're asking your children to help you they're learning valuable tools and lessons that they would never learn except for having a large family and they're learning the skills that they need to be able to care for others and care for others more than themselves which is such a valuable lesson so huge because i mean we're still learning it (laughs) yeah and i i see there's a another parenting podcast um from another couple uh, Courtney and John Kreitz um, really respect them as parents and, and their journey. It's called 
on on the door frames, right? Door yes. frames. I always want to say doorposts, but it's on the door frames. Go go look it up. It's it's an amazing podcast. They were talking about um, those relationships that that family is a training ground for having relationships outside in the world. Yes. That if you can't love your siblings well, how you expect to love your spouse and and your coworkers and all these other people that it's God's using that the space of the home, the domestic church is the grounds to go out and practice out in the mission field of life. And I think that's such a beautiful picture. I really loved how they described that of that sanctifying work within the children uh, in a family with other kids mm-hmm. and also really for the parents yeah. on that journey. So thank you for tuning in today. This was a little bit longer episode. There's obviously a lot to talk about here on the topic of God transforming our hearts through parenting. And I'm sure we're going to be coming around to this more in a future podcast. But that being said, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Full Quiver Parenting. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to leave a comment and a review. Remember, a full quiver is not a number, but a spirit of openness to welcome the children God gives us, whether of our own flesh, through adoption, or of spiritual descent. To get more involved in our community, join our group Full Quiver Parenting on Facebook. See you next time.